Welcome to the Tri-Tech Games Podcast. This is Bruce. This is John. This is Blix. This is Trav. This is Amber. Welcome to the Tri-Tac Games Podcast. Your podcast of messing with your character to make them awesome. This week, we're going to be talking about... Amber, get that cat away from me! No! Wait! No! Ah! 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 Oops. He looks like he's got a little bit of a phobia. Well, you didn't tell me you were afraid of cats. Yeah. Hey, how about this little guy here with my finger? Is he cute? He wants some sugar. He's a little ant. <laughs> no? Oh, my God. No, no, no. I hate ants. Not even joking. I hate ants. But I think we're, we're talking about ph- phobias. Phobias? Phobias. Well, what's a phobia? Well... So, Amber, what, what's a phobia? A fear. Are you afraid of something? Mm-hmm. Uh, could be a phobia. Are you deathly afraid of something for no reason whatsoever? It's probably a phobia. Does that spider make you scream like a little girl and jump up on a table? Yeah, it's a phobia. Yeah, as I understand it, a phobia is an irrational fear. So it's not just the, an unhealthy fear, you know, like uh, you probably shouldn't play with venomous spiders or snakes. But at the same time, you know, jumping out of a car when a spider, you know, moving car when a spider jumps down on you, that's probably a phobia. So it's not a respectful fear. No, it's not out of respect or out of, you know, a, a, a gained experience, a, a rational fear. It's, it's irrational fear. It also could be an anxiety. It could also be an anxiety disorder where you're just in fear of things. Like a person who has one of the more common ones, which is agoraphobia, which is basically the fear of everything, more or less. Agoraphobia <laughs> is the fear of open spaces, of being out in the open, yeah. of being exposed. Whereas the opposite, which is claustrophobia, is the fear of being closed in and being trapped. So what's what what is the uh, fear of fear itself? That's the only thing we have to fear is fear itself. So I just wanted to know what that phobia was. Yeah, I'm I'm looking for the fear of fear here to see fear of fire. No, not quite. Uh, yes, there's phobia, phobia, which is the fear of having a phobia. Phobophobia. But that's not fear of fears. That's the fear of having a fear. It's not the fear of being afraid, which is, I think is something different. A lot of things that are mistaken with fears are superstitions. Having a fear of cats, unnatural and unreasonable and unexplainable, un- whatever fear of cats, that is a phobia. If you are specifically afraid of, say, a black cat walking right in front of you, strutting its stuff, that's a superstition. And they are different things. In my experience, and I may be wrong, superstitions are social in nature, that they are stories that are told and rumors and 
because you're letting yourself believe something bad will happen, you're walking yourself into something bad that's going to happen. Like the whole step on a crack, break your mother's back type thing. That's a superstition. Right. Yeah. yeah. Whereas you, you can be afraid of stepping on a crack for fear of breaking your mother's back, but that is a conscious choice of you being afraid of doing something. Whereas mm. a phobia, a fear, is very unnatural. It's instinctual. You can't explain it. You can't control it. It happens, whether you like it or not. Mm. It's a difference between a founded fear and an unfounded fear. Right. Yeah. But we have a, uh, you know, a game systems that have the ability to have these things in it, where you have major phobia or you have minor phobia. Now, if you have a major phobia, it's part of your character. It was built into the game. All right. You should be able to play it. It's, it's kind of also part of the social contact contract that if people are allowed to take them, in the game as character generators, they should be they should only want to exhibit them. They should be expected to exhibit them. Yes. You know, so my real question here was, is that how far, you know, I was trying to ask some, some more general questions as to in play, how far do you think these things would impinge upon the play before they would become onerous in a more general sense? I was just thinking that it depends on how common a trigger this phobia is. If it's agoraphobia, every time you're outside, bam, there it is. It's, you're either a minus two or minus four, which means anytime you try to do something, you're already at a deficit to do anything at that point. Playing a character in my, who has a minus two all the time, I'm getting, I'm missing a lot of shots from my character when he shoots at something because he's automatically at uh, medium range for, before he even pulls the trigger. Fringe Rally, the game of interdimensional adventure from tri Games. Antarctica 2010. A Japanese research team finds a portal to alien and alternative Earths. Only one person in 100,000 has the special ability that lets them use the portal and travel the pathways to infinity. You are this person. You are... The Fringeworthy. Fringeworthy is the first RPG of interdimensional adventure across millions of alternative Earths. Fringeworthy is available at TriTech Games at www.tritechgames.com slash fringe.htm. A million million worlds await you. Go visit them. go back to our, our standard here fear of cats okay is the the very sight of a cat going to trigger a minus four or is it going to be only when you get within a certain range of the cat it's going to cause a minus four if we can limit this effect to certain ranges where you can kind of work around it then it's a lot different than if you just suddenly say oh well every time you see a cat you know even if you're looking at the cat through a pair of binoculars then you got a minus four to all your tasks okay if it's more like well if you come within 15 feet of that cat or if you come within 30 feet of that cat okay beyond that it's only like a minus two and if it's really far away then you don't have any minuses at all it really should be built into the game system but at least it should be a generally understood implementation of your phobia amongst all the other players 
so that they don't get saying, you know, that's really tiresome for you to do that. Well, you know, we talked about this at the beginning and you said you were fine with it. It's something that I think should be discussed and there should be a metric involved because otherwise it's, you know, the GM gets the situation where, ah, there's a cat and you're like, leaping back 30 feet or you don't know how far to react and you either are nothing or you're everything. And, and I think that's a bad situation as well where you don't have any grades of, of, of effect. And the next guy over, he doesn't want to play his character with a minus four. So he just acts like his distance is much bigger. So you know, I'm, we can get some, some unfairness in the game if you don't throw into some kind of a metric into the use of these types of things. Do actually sort of define it in Savage Worlds. You have to be in the presence, which means you have to be close enough you can probably reach out and touch it. That's news to me. I would have thought in the presence would have been in the room with it. I would have think well, proximity. Would, if you are physically, yeah. if you are able to see it. And I, I think that to some extent, if somebody wants to be a real jerk and say, hey, hey, John, guess what? Don't look now, but there's a spider behind you. You you might just kind of tense up and realize, I don't know if they're telling the truth. I don't know if they're lying. I don't want to know if they're bluffing, but there very well might be a spider behind me. Well, so someone wants to be a jerk and do that, you know, it's up to you as a player to start saying, okay, I'm standing there trying to pick this lock, trying not to think of little, little tiny feet crawling up the back of my neck <laughs> and play it and play it up. You know, <laughs> I, I think there should be some kind of level of grading on this too. So, like for example, let, let let's take Savage Worlds. Let's say you have a major phobia of spiders. In the presence of a spider, yeah, it's minus four, or a spider gets on you, it's minus four, whatever, and you go catatonic, or you run, or pee yourself, or whatever it is. But I think with that kind of phobia, you should also have. Let's say you find out that you're um, on a boat, and the name is the beautiful arachnid. I think you should suffer the minus two in that your your phobia is so severe that even the thought of being associated with anything spider-wise could affect you. That would be a crippling phobia. If It's just the name arachnid will get you going. Well, hold on. Hold on. I'm saying but at a degraded effect. I'm saying at a – like say at a minus two. So in other words, you are uneasy being involved with the situation or let's say – you know the the person you're fooling with, you know the 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 enemy or whatever. You know her name is is they call her the tarantula. You know that may irk your character, and maybe even doesn't give you a minus. Let's say it doesn't give you a minus, but let's say your character, because you have that crippling minus four uh, phobia of spiders, maybe that would still affect you. Maybe not to a role, but maybe just to guide your character's actions. So. In other words, it's like it's like why are you so bothered by this woman? It's like, oh, man, they call her the tarantula, man. It's kind of creepy. Yeah, that's just role playing, then. Yeah, that's well, especially if she uses the spider motif and plays it up. Well, that's yeah, exactly. But I mean, but she's not a spider, and she doesn't have spiders crawling on her. But let's say she always wears all black, and maybe she wears a spider brooch, and I don't know, spider rings. So that, that might be enough to creep you out to like either the minus two or that you just role play that you avoid her. You're you're just uncomfortable around her. You're not you're not really at a minus because there's no real spiders there. Just right. So you might have a minus two to your negotiation skills with this person, or or a minus to your seduction if you're trying to seduce her. Right. Right. Yeah, let's say you're playing the face man. They're like, all right, you need to uh, woo her into bed and get some information out of her. Wait a minute. 
The, the woman's called the tarantula. She's called the black widow. You want me to sleep with the black widow? The, the, black, the black widow, that's what you want me to sleep with. You know, and it's like if you didn't have that phobia of spiders, it may not affect your character so much. So you're right. You might have a minus two to seduction because your character is reluctant to deal with her. But you wouldn't like run in fear from her. You have the fear of cats and you're, uh, the person you're trying to capture is Catwoman. I'm just saying it might mess with your head or it might be something you want to consider in, in the role-playing aspect. And you may even want to apply a minus two in some situations. I think you really need to think uh, think really hard about taking a, a major phobia. <laughs> no, no, I really do because if you're creating a character and you want to be afraid of, of spiders or whatever, remember you're giving the GM a plot hook. You're giving the GM a tool to beat your character up with. Do you want them to beat you very hard or just beat you a little bit? You have joined the most secret government agency that you have never heard of. The 13th Bureau of Justice, otherwise known as Bureau 13. You are a government agent charged with the duty of disposing of the greatest unnatural threats to the people and the the economy of the United States and Canada. You will work under the knowledge that you are funded by an organization so secret, even the highest government officials do not know of your existence. Welcome to the elite band of people who wander the dark streets of the night, ever searching for the horrors that should not exist in this modern age. You are a special agent, stalking the night fantastic. Bureau 13 is a Gen Con award-winning RPG of modern horror and paranormal adventure. It's available from Tritag Games at TritagGames.com in both the original editions and in the D20 edition, with a new Savage Worlds edition coming soon. Remember that wherever the supernatural waits, good and evil, the agents of Bureau 13 will be there. But the evil is growing. Every GM I know, if they find out you have a phobia, guess what appears in almost every – they love to use that on you. Well, they're supposed to. Well, yeah, but no, hold on, wait, wait. But you will have, you will have flaws, and, I, and I've noticed this in games. There are flaws that are – that may even be more debilitating, but they never get used because they're not easy for the game master to use. Phobias are really easy to use, so you just have to be careful with it because they are more likely to make an appearance than just about any of your other – uh, any of your other flaws. They're just so easy for the game master to throw in. So it's like, it's almost like they should be worth more points because they just seem to appear all the time. Or maybe that's just my game master. <laughs> but I can guarantee you anything, any phobia anyone has, I, I swear it's everywhere. It happens all the time. Hey, look at Savage Worlds. You have this nearsightedness. Okay, so a person wears glasses, it's corrected. Okay, how many times in a game has something happened that caused your glasses to go flying. So the person now is struck by that debilitating, you know, nearsightedness. Almost never it happens. But if someone has a fear of spiders, all of a sudden there's spiders dropping from the ceiling everywhere you turn. I would caution people when you're, when you're playing a character with phobias that you may be unfairly targeted for target. Yeah. Targeted. For that because it's just so easy to use. Yeah, it's a convenient hammer to hit you with. <laughs> yes. And it's and I think that's important as far as characters are concerned, that you have those kinds of things readily available to the GM. The GM needs to have like a card for each character with these kinds of hooks available so that every time that the opportunity comes up to hit these hooks, that they use them. And they'll try to think outside the box as a way of, of displaying them. 
triggering them so that the person who chose these detriments has a reason to pay for them, in essence. Because if there is no in-game effect, there should be no bonus either. What about real fears? Not your character, but the players. What do you want to do to avoid triggering those? Because let's say, and this is kind of an extreme, what if one character has arachnophobia, but, oh, guess what? One of the players does have arachnophobia, and as a joke, the GM throws a bunch of fake spiders on the table. Uh, yeah, that's not going to go over well. Yeah. I mean, actually, I, I have an experience with that, because I was running a, an adventure, and part of the, the adventure basically dealt with giant spiders, so I had went on my way and got a prop. I actually had gotten a, a, a life-size tarantula RC model. They'd run around the floor and everything. Both times I ran that adventure, the first thing I did with the table was, anyone here afraid of spiders? I just want to make sure, you know, I want to check and see who's got, anyone here has a fear of spiders, because there's a prop that could probably trigger your fear I'm going to be using. And I was lucky both times there wasn't there wasn't anyone with arachnophobia. Having heard that Trav has that, I got to remember to leave the RC spider at home. That thing looks, looks real when you turn it on and it runs around the floor. It looks real. If you have a steady group... Yeah, you're gonna, and especially if you know your players, you're gonna get a pretty good gauge on. Okay, I can run a game with arachnophobia, but I don't want to throw lives. But now, if you're at a con and you're running a game, you have to ask. Yeah. Now, as far as props, uh, listeners will want to refer to our podcast on props and gaming with our guest co-host Andre Krupa. He did that a lot, so he there's a lot of suggestions there for running props. And just take into account, people, if you have someone, you know, arachnophobia, and you throw live spiders, and somebody freaks out, yeah. Now, we also brought up something in our notes about playing a game in a thunderstorm. If, there, if you are there, you know, and one of your characters has, you know... What do your players mean? one of the players has a fear of storms that can affect gaming. Now, if I'm sitting there running a game and all of a sudden I look out my front window because of how I run my game, I, I look, I'm facing my window in my living room and I see green sky out there. I'm not going to be running my game to the best of my ability because I'm going to be too busy, you know, trying to choke down an anxiety attack. Fears can get in the way of running your character or running your game and it depends on what context is going on. Usually, if it's something in the game, if I describe a situation, it would have to be a situation so horrific that it would trigger something just by me speaking it. And that would usually involve things with dark adult themes, things that I'm not going to get into on this podcast, but we did our, you know, our one year ago about where we had the special download about mature themes. That would usually be something that where you could just speak about it and it would kick in a fear. Or using uh, photographs or pictures. You may inadvertently have a picture that could trigger a person's fear reaction just by looking at the picture. Let's say I was running like urban fantasy and I had pictures of a crime scene. Let's say there was something on the internet and I count, downloaded on glossy paper and printed them out and I throw them out on the table. 
there may be someone there who may not like the sight of dead bodies and may lose their stuff right then and there and just start freaking out. Or throwing up. Right, exactly. Which would be very inconvenient for the character sheet. Yeah, yeah I know. Not to mention the table and the chips and the pop on there. Because, now, see, it really wouldn't bother me. I took criminal justice for three years, and I also have seen uh, an actual dead body. So it's like, I'd be like, okay, yeah, fine. There may be someone who's never seen that and may just lose their stuff over seeing that. Again, that's knowing your players. I mean, if you want, if you know you're going to bring this stuff in as a matter of uh, the theme of the campaign, that's talking to your players beforehand saying, okay, we're going to be dealing with some mature themes or some things that might squick people out. I need to know now before I say word one on this campaign, is anyone going to have a problem here so I don't have people losing it completely while I'm trying to run the game? And that's just good GM player rapport that takes experience i mean if you're a new gm and you decide to pull that you're kind of asking for trouble <laughs> some people may actually have the fear of touching you may not even realize it until, until you actually you know fit a role playing reach out and say touch their hand and they act like you hit with, with 110 volts you know may not realize, realize it until that point in time that that person actually doesn't like being touched you know no matter what well, I remember seeing the name, the name of the fear of being touched on the list on Wikipedia there. But, I mean, could that be just a fear of being touched, or that could be like a germaphobe, you know, like Howie Mandel, he doesn't shake hands. He... Yeah, it could be It could be a germaphobe, yeah. I have a, I have a cousin who basically washes everything, so imagine my surprise when I brought in some mushrooms for, for, for dinner, and he washes them so much that they are soaking wet. Well... I mean, we could bring in things like OCD. You know, that's another thing. Yeah, but but we're on OCD is we're getting away from phobias with that. Well, no, no, actually, no. If you read if you read up on the, on, the, on on Wikipedia, uh, the font of all knowledge, some phobias will result in OCDs being being part of the part of the anxiety thing. You start developing. Uh, let's look at uh, one of our favorite super super scientists, Tesla. He definitely had some some things going on his head, but he also had several cases of OCD, a severe case of OCD. OCD is is about control issues, and 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 even though it's probably related, I think it's getting you know doing the the cat hurting the cat hurting thing here. I think we're getting a little outside the bounds of what we're talking about here. I mean, I, I agree. I agree. They are related. They're both anxiety disorders, and I'm sure they play upon each other. But I think we're stepping outside of the bounds of what we're talking about. Rex, we're being attacked. Don't you worry, Dolores. Old Rex will dodge your sky pirates. I have you now, Rex Havoc. El I knew I smelled something foul when I passed by Catawonga. Haha, uh-huh. funny as ever, Rex. Surrender your cargo, or we will shoot you down and let the can well. Feast upon your entrails. So, Rex, what are we going to do? Well, my dear, you're going to man that 50 cal on the roof to it. Me? I'm going to do some fancy flying. Man up, Tareem! Rex Havoc is coming through! Explore the world of the hard-wired hinterland. Visit the lands of New Akron, almost Canada, and new old New York. 
deal with sky pirates and the natives of Etawanga. It's your new home and your new life. Make of it what you will. The Hardwire Hinterland is a systemless role-playing campaign supplement from Tritech Games. You can use this supplement with any role-playing game rules that you like. Available as a PDF from TritechGames.com. That's TritechGames.com. Come to the Hardwire Hinterlands and let your imagination soar! Curse you, Havoc! You haven't seen the last of me! Yeah, well, the first of you turns my stomach. Hasty lumbagos, Tareeb. Rex, shut up and keep flying. Don't worry, Dolores. I'll keep them flying. Over the hardwired hinterland. Let's see. Anything else about player fears? I mean, usually... It, it would be just knowing your players. It just, mm-hmm. it, and as I said, now, John said with that radio controlled spider at a con game, you would have to stop the game because you have, um, and Blix uses the term, the buy-in. You get in the zone of playing the character and all of a sudden you have to stop and, okay, I'm, I'm me again because the GM is asking me this question out of game. You kind of stop the game or did you do it beforehand? Yeah, I did it beforehand because this game had a theme of spiders. So I actually had a giant RC spider. I had a bunch of little fake plastic spiders, but they were all multicolored, so they weren't quite realistic looking. But I had to make sure, you know, I want to make sure I didn't want to no have a bad reaction right. before I started the game. I actually showed them the little spiders, and no one had a problem with the little spiders. Uh, the big spider was okay until I had it moved, and a few people actually jumped when it moved because they weren't. Yeah, we weren't quite sure if they would move or not. When it did move, it, I saw a couple of people jump, but no one ran. It's <laughs> good. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, I, I mean, with with real fears, I mean, it would be things like spiders, maybe bugs. If it's storming outside, you know, somebody might have a fear of thunderstorms. I, I don't see any other real fears that would come in the context of 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 running a game. I mean. Oh, yeah, if you turn off the lights for mood. Yeah, oh, gosh, yeah, that would be a good one. Yeah. yeah. Well, if right. anybody is squeamish in the dark, it would be a good idea to keep your playing area well lit, have candles as backup just in case the power goes out if it's storming. Because the last thing you want to do is have a panic attack right on your hands, especially if you oh, don't yeah. know how to handle a, yeah. somebody, a real person, who is going through a panic attack. Yeah. And don't forget, our golden rule here is it's all about having fun. And if if you introduce something that's going to make one of the not, – not the characters, but one of the players uncomfortable, you're breaking the golden rule of role-playing. Yeah. Because now not everyone is having fun. Trying to think of any other things that would freak out in the gaming context that you would have in a game that would set them off. I mean, darkness, bugs, spiders – I'm thinking more of a in a game in the game context. If the player themselves has a fear, they're not going to be able to enjoy the game because they're too busy suffering from whatever it is that they are afraid of. Like uh, in this case, you brought it up yourself. You know, say I was running a game and I decided to describe the aftermath of a storm, and I start describing in great detail the green sky. I that would affect about- you. 
Yeah, I can talk uh, about the skies being no, green for me. No, no, no. Do not talk about describe it. Describe the emotional content of that sky and so forth. Not just talk about, but talk about the dra- dramatic version of the green sky. That's a bit different than saying the sky is green. No, you start talking about the clouds and that stuff and how it's modeled. And, and I'm not going any farther than that. I don't actually want to actually do that to you. You know, you know. I see green skies. <laughs> Go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> Travis yeah. curled up in a bowl, covering his head. Thanks a lot, Satchmo. Yeah. <laughs> what a beautiful world. <laughs> it used to be. Yeah. Okay. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, I, I would think that just, again, I can't stress enough, it's knowing your players. Now, as I said, at a con, it's beforehand the general things. I mean, that's just good GM prep. I mean, okay, I'm going to have fake spiders, and I'm going to have something blood spattered I'm going to throw on the table. I'm going to ask, do these things set people off? Are there phobias I need to know about? That's just being a good GM. And I mean, any good game, if you're going to entertain your players, you need to, that, that's prep. All GMs have to prep their games. It's like, oh, I just pulled this game together. No, you still got to prep in something. And if you're going to have something, think ahead that, you know, it might set somebody off unintentionally. I mean, I the, the game masters that's there and actually sit there and, okay, I'm going to do this, I want to scare them. You might get up, ah, you know, and that's it. No, if there's somebody who has the bad arachnophobia and you throw out a real enough looking spider or you got the RC spider like John and they just lose their stuff, not going to get a very good reaction and you that player may leave the group or you may, if you're at a con, you may end up getting, you know, called on the carpet for it. Oh, I had a panic attack because he did this. And, you know, they go to ops and, you know, you could really get in trouble. So you got to, it's just planning has to come into play here. I have to tell you how much, how much willpower it took me not to take my spire for a walk down the hallways. Just, just to get, you know, b- back on track here. So what do, what do we do about this? I mean, like one of the things that, that Amber has in her, her list here is how does it affect your team? We've been talking a lot about the individual. We've been talking a lot about game plan, stuff like that, but like, how does this directly affect your team? If you know about these phobias, okay, and you've got a team, then it behooves you to design the assignment of tasks to minimize these kinds of interactions that will be of a negative nature. And, and be a smart player. Don't, don't create an ace, ace pilot slash driver and give him agoraphobia. That doesn't work. Right, right yeah. Since a lot of the times I was saying is the way you deal with phobias is that it just takes the person a long time to figure out a way of working it out, some way of surmounting it, getting around it, you know, whatever it might need to be. You got got to find an extra big hat to put over your head, you know, whatever. You know, you have to circle around the block to avoid the thing that you fear. So you have to build in extra time for the person to complete their tasks. It may be as simple as that. Your fear is going to be triggered. Therefore, instead of it taking you one hour to do what you need to do, it's going to take you two hours. Okay, well, that means you know everybody else, You know, if there's a timetable, you need to build that in. And be aware you're going to have a lot of failed roles. I mean, and most systems will give you a, a minus to, your, to, to any roles you have to make. 
and you're going to have a lot more failed rolls because of that. So it will take longer. You know, you you won't get any critical you know, you, unless you roll one, which is you know always a critical failure. But you will get more often than not just just good old fashioned. You know, I try and do it, but I'm, I, you know, I, uh, this guy's oppressing me. Unless you plan on role playing out every failure, you know, a lot of times, and that by the way is pretty boring. Most of the time, you can just simply say, "Hey, it takes you longer to complete the task." So if you take if you're playing D twenty, you take ten. Well, it, it does take ten instead of taking five or whatever. What's the default? Taking twenty is where it takes you twenty times as long to do it, but then you have a, a guaranteed twenty as your roll. So in this case, you take you take twenty. It takes forty times as long. If you had like a minus two to your roll, and so therefore you knew you needed to take 20 in order to be guaranteed to succeed, then that would be where this would come into effect. You're like, okay, I'm going to do this, but I'm going to have to take extra time to get it done because I have a problem here. Well, usually though, taking 10 and taking 20, the only way you can do that under stress is if, uh, let's see, for D20 Modern, I believe it's called Cool Customer, and I, I'm i not, I forget what uh, stat-based hero talent that is, but basically it's, you pick certain number of skills, and I want to say it's the dedicated hero, which means it's your wear and skills, and you say, okay, even under stress, I can take 10 with these skills, and other than that, you know, those three skills, let's say for a thief, you take search, disable device, and hide or move silently. One of those two. Even if you are in the middle of a firefight, or you're under some type of stress where you're suffering from a fear, you always take 10 on that skill, and that means you've rolled a 10 and you just add whatever modifier from your skill to do that. Taking 20, I don't think there is a rule anywhere, in my knowledge of of D20 products, where you can say, on this skill, you can always take 20. No, that is something you have to actively do, and I don't think you can do that. It would be under a fear effect. Yeah, and not every skill you can take 20 on. Some skills you can't. You just have to roll. Are you saying because I have a phobia, a a, a skill that I normally could take 20 on, I can't take 20 on anymore? Not that I know of from the straight D20 rolls, as I said, I don't recall anything from any third-party stuff. There. After five long years, my latest invention is complete. Surely it will revolutionize personal transportation for decades to come. Hey, who let you in here? Get, get away from there! You stupid simian sociopath! Don't touch that! Monkeys took my jetpack! Monkeys took my jetpack. At mtmjetpack.com. Let's talk a little bit about uh, Savage Worlds. So, with Savage Worlds, you have you have bennies, and I think it's my understanding, or at least the way we've played. Well, you can re-roll. No, well, bennies can only do certain things. You can re-roll, and that's it. You can just re-roll your 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 treat roll. Anything else is GM homebrew stuff. Okay, well, we, we allowed it so that if you wanted to play it ahead of time, you could say, I'm going to spend a Benny and my phobia doesn't affect me. Again, John, like you said, it's probably a GM house rule, but I think it's a good rule. I mean, you only get so many Bennies. It's not like you get like a ton of them, and they're hard to earn. So that's something we always allowed. There's also benefits you can get. So, oh, okay, I'm at minus two. 
spend, if I spend one turn aiming, I'm going to cancel that minus two. So I'm at normal shooting, or I have I have edges that allow me to at least alleviate the minus two in certain circumstances. You know, like like uh, there's one called marksman, which actually gives you an automatic plus two to your to your shooting roll as long as you don't move that round. You know, so that basically cancels out your minus two from being out, you know, from whatever it's causing your, your minor fear or your, your, or your or at least a half of your minus four if you got a major phobia. There's ways to work around it. There's also some actions you can do that will give you a bonus, but, of course, you're, you will have a big minus next time around in the next round afterwards. Well, I mean, and that's a game mechanic. Basically, you would just role play it as, okay, I steal myself, I take a deep breath, grit my teeth, and crack off the shot. Yeah, okay. Let's move on to uh, how do the other players treat the character with a phobia? How many characters have phobias? You know, it could be like like, it, like the game I'm playing, half the team has a, has agoraphobia. The other half doesn't. Oh. Wait a minute, wait. Stop. Half your team has agoraphobia? We both grew up in the hives. We're both hivers. We, we basically don't like being outdoors. Oh, my God. <laughs> and where have we been for the past, oh, say, uh, several sessions? Outdoors. Hey, you know, you know, a good campaign for your characters to play in would be um, Paranoia. Yeah. <laughs> the way we're being treated at that point is that they understand that we're not going to be at our best. And, you know, we, we, but basically we just have to sort of, in character, tough it out, because one of our characters is a commissar in the Imperial Army. So, yeah, you're just going to tough it out. Uh, you're still at minus two, but, you know, deal with it. It depends on the character. You know, if it's like, if you're if you're agoraphobic and you're infringeworthy, second you step on a platform, you're going to fall flat on the ground and, cr- and cr- curl up the ball <laughs> on the platform. Because there's nothing oh, right, around yeah. you. Yes, that's right. I don't, I don't even know if you can get on the, on the pathway. <laughs> we can be in the pathway as long as we're right in the middle of the center of the pathway. Okay, I'm going to sit back here in the back of the Scovy and leave me alone. <laughs> yeah, one of those things. Uh, it's. I think it depends on. The, it really depends on the phobia. If it's something, if it's something that the other characters might consider to be funny, they may just simply tease you with it. I mean, I hate to say this, you know. Tossing, you know, tossing fake spiders at the guy who's arachnophobic. You're all sitting there in the Muscovy, and somebody from the far back seat decides to throw a fake spider up to the guy directly behind the driver, and he pulls out his gun and starts shooting the floor of the car. Yeah, that could be a problem. Yeah, especially that it won't go through the it won't go through the armor of the Muscovy, but will ricochet around a little bit before it stops. Yeah, right, exactly. Blix mentioned earlier, B.A. Baracus of the A-Team would not get on a plane to save his life. They had to knock him out each and every time. So you're going to be playing a character that if he is on a plane and there is something going on, the duration of that knockout drug, the player might as well go up and get a sandwich because he's going to be totally out cold, won't be able to do anything. Let's say all of a sudden you're on that airplane and all of a sudden a battle breaks out. Well, your guy that's knocked out because he has a fear of flying, you're down one guy because he's out cold due to this drug. So that's going to affect the team strength if all of a sudden the battle breaks out. And it's especially bad for the A-team since B.A. Baracus is, you know, the big gun carrier and the, the brawler. Well, I mean, if they're on a plane, it's Murdoch flying. And <laughs> but if they have to knock him out in order to do this, then that means that he's going to be, once they get to the ground, incapacitated for a while until they can wake him up. 
in the show, he, he very fortuitously always seemed to wake up just as they got to the ground. They gave him just enough. Actually, what I'm thinking is more along the line of they probably were giving him a shot every 15 minutes to keep him under. But anyway, yeah. Yeah, in the movie, he woke up as the tank was plummeting. <laughs> Yeah, of course, you know, you can always say, uh, well, wait a second, I'm the team doctor, I've, I've sedated him, I can wake him up, pulls out the adrenaline, <laughs> shoots him with adrenaline to wake him up, oh. you know, kick, it, kick him in overdrive, yeah. Now I'm reminded of Sherlock Holmes' A Game of Shadows when Watson used the adrenaline on him, jumps up and starts running around. <laughs> Actually, that's right there is a phobia. My brother did not like sharp pointy things. He hated getting a shot and he also hated when I pointed a knife at him. A butter knife. He would just go crazy. Yes, and on the Wikipedia list there is a name for that for Eichmophobia. A-I-C-H-M-O-phobia. Fear of sharp or pointed objects such as a needle or knife. Yeah, so there's something that, that your player could run into and you may not realize it until you pick up that butter knife and point it at him. And all of a sudden, you start squirming like you like you just put ants in his pants along those lines. And if you start describing how the hypodermic is being, put into, is being used, he may actually get squirmy again. Oh, that would suck. A doctor or a nurse who gains that, that phobia due to something. Say their character was attacked, you know, or stabbed or something, and all of a sudden they get ache, eich, eichmophobia. <laughs> can't use a needle they can't use a scalpel and they're just like come on you got to operate man i don't want to touch that get it away that would suck yeah but that there i would say that one's treatable unlike the one you bought you paid for with with your during the build time you built the character i think anything you've acquired through uh events can be taken care of through basically role play and find a proper treatment nine times out of ten if you're in bureau 13 or fringe worthy you're going to have downtime in between missions. Your superiors will make you have downtime. Therefore, you, okay, six weeks later, you've been through therapy, through you know your harrowing experience, you're over it. You're good. It's, that's going to come into play, and that, like you said, is just the role-playing and... Yeah, so something like that, I would say most, most frights you make you off a fright table should probably be temporary. Yeah. You will get over them. You know, they were just, you know, shocks to your system and as long as you get some good some good therapy either from, you know, either from a priest or from or from a psychologist or a therapist, you should be able to get over that that that, that sort of uh, phobia. Yes. Phobia is that, that you spent your entire life building and nurturing and coddling and building up. Those are gonna take a while to get rid Yeah. <laughs> Those could be a personal campaign arc for the player, yeah. Let's talk about what to do if you're playing a character and you like your character, but you have this phobia that's getting out of control, uh, or, or it's or it's you know it's upsetting the other players or the game master, or for whatever reason it's just not working. Is this a time where the game master says, "All right, look, I'm going to put this to you. You can either stop playing this character, or you can work this phobia out." In other words, you can either spend experience points on it, or I will let you lower it a level. Just for the sake of everybody, I mean, does that that sound reasonable to you guys? Yeah, yeah. I mean, it would depend on if the lowering can be done, or if if the player decides, okay, yeah, me playing this character was a bad idea. It is ruining group cohesion. We will find a way to write this character out and just say 
he's in therapy, he had to go off the team for a while, and I will make a new character. Or, yeah, lowering it, and you could even write that into the campaign and say, you know, the GM could say, okay, I'm going to give you a chance to role-play this out. I'll throw an adventure where you have spiders, you know, a spider swarm, or a rogue demixie. And if you beat this scenario, your particular experience point award will be where you can somehow buy this down or away completely. Now, there is the other option. Joe the mechanic, he's just not working. His various phobias, the ones that he acquired from being scared scared half to death, plus the ones he started out with, are just making him a not a playable character. It may be time to retire Joe. You know, you can you know either put him on the bus and maybe he might come back, or you can have him go out in a blazing glory at that point. You know, and if that's the case, let, let's just keep it fair because, you know, a lot of times with, with a lot of campaigns, you know, people are building up their characters and the, and the player is going to feel slighted if he has to give up his character, you know. And it may not be any fault of his own. Everybody might have thought it was going to be cool and it was going to be okay. But he's playing this character and it's not working out and other people aren't happy with it. I think, you know, if you're going to force this character out of the game, you let him make up another character as experienced. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. In that case, then. Or a level lower that way then to show that... Yeah, he has some backstory, but he's just quite up to speed with every. And of course, most game systems level low. low let's try that again. Lower level characters will get up to speed. Well, you know, sometimes, but I mean, at the same time, you know, I mean, it's like let's say the player's just, you know, he's he's off put by it because he says I made this character in good faith and everybody was cool with it and it just didn't work out and it's not really my fault or the game. It's not anybody's really not really anybody's fault. But the player, the player's going to feel like he's being punished. So I think you need to talk with the player and need to come to some kind of agreement. If he's fine with playing a, a brand new character again, that's fine. Some people are cool with that. If he's okay with playing a, a little bit of a lower character to you know that'll catch up, that's that's fine too. But you know, if the player is really upset by this and says, you know, you know, honestly, I feel like you know I made up this character in good faith. You know, you guys are asking me not to play him anymore, and I'm fine. You know, with giving this guy up. But I feel like I'm going to be penalized for it, you know, for doing the, for making that sacrifice. I think you need to to work that out with them. I think you need that needs to be. Don't be a jerk, you know. Make sure that that everybody's happy with the decision. Oh yeah, because that new character, you know, the new character could end up being as much a pain in the butt of the party because of whatever else. So you got to that. That's a matter of GM and player talking, and also even the other characters going, okay. We're losing a driver, we need another driver. Or we're losing a gun bunny, we need another gun bunny. Or a dipl- or a face man or whatever. We still need this role in the party filled even though Joe is leaving. Plus we need to make the player happy. Because again, we, we come, we'll always come back to we're all here to have fun. Yes. You know, and if somebody feels slighted, they're not going to have fun. And they're not going to have fun for the rest of the campaign. I mean, it's, it's going to irk them the rest of the time. Oh, yes. Agreed. So, yeah. yeah I mean, you got to try to not appease, not bend over backwards. It's compromise. Yeah, compromise. It's like, okay, yeah, we're getting rid of this character. But if you have another character idea you want to try that will fit in this team, this is the chance where we make it now. And just you bang out the character. In the end, it's all player and GM communication. 
not only on how to play the phobias, but also in the case where the phobia is not working out and is causing a detriment to both the group and the gaming group. So it's all just a balance. So we, Amber, this is your show. Do you want anything else? Do you have anything else? I think you guys have pretty much covered everything. Any point that I tried to make, you pretty much nailed it before I had the chance to open my mouth. <laughs> Don't say a word, Trav. Easy. What? Pip, whatever were you talking about? I still am of the opinion that if you're going to play a phobia, you need to commit to it. And if your party okay with you, your player having that phobia, then they need to also hold up to the responsibility of you have this phobia. They can't just be of the opinion that since you have this phobia, they can still do what they want. His your phobia will still affect the party. Yep. I agree. And, yes. Agree. And yep. with yep. with the whole agoraphobia and a way to get around that is the the blindfold, the party is still making a commitment that they are going to help you through your phobia. So it, it really is a group thing, not just something for your character. All right, well said. This is Bruce Sheffer saying there are a million, million worlds out there, so go explore them. This is John Ryer saying keep your powder dry and keep those cards and letters coming in. This is Blix. Don't hate the game, hate the players. This is Amber. It's all fun and games until the DM rolls a one. And this is Trav. There's a reason why it's called gaming. It's for having fun. Yo, brothers. This was the Tri-Tech Games Podcast. You know the drill. It's protected under the Creative Commons License 3.0. No commercial reproduction, no derivatives, and sucker, you best attribute this to the folks at Tri-Tech Games. And if you don't, We'll be after your sorry butts, because we're some bad mothers. Hi, this is Trav of the Travcast, Hour 3 of Blind Wolf's Rubber Room Association on DementiaRadio.org, Tuesdays, 8 to 9 p.m. Eastern.